This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Good to see all of you this evening. Glad you can gather with us tonight. I know that, you know, life's busy. How many of you are busy? Anybody bored? Wouldn't it be great to be bored? I don't even know what that looks like. But anyway, praise God. Again, it's good to have you this evening. We're going to get into the Word of God. Have a good teaching. Feed you a real good meal. Praise God. Wind you up real tight. Turn you loose on the world. How about that? Be all right? Let's open our Bibles then to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've been using this as our text uh, for this particular series of lessons, talking about the life of faith. We're going to continue on along those lines here. You know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word, right? How about the rest of you? Yeah? That's where faith comes from. It comes from hearing the Word. Hallelujah. But now, of course, you know, uh, there's something that has to be mixed with faith in order for it to become a reality in your life, and that's either Word or action. Amen. How many of you know we need to be doers of the Word, not just hearers only? There are a lot of people that delight in the Word. They'll, they're not people, they'll rejoice in the Word. I mean, they'll get happy about the Bible. But that's not really what makes change in our life or brings transformation. It's the doer of the Word that is blessed in his deed. Amen? So anyway, we'll talk about a few things here this evening. And, uh, and uh, let's just pray together and uh, we'll get the mind of heaven. This, hallelujah. Father, uh, we're so grateful once again as we gather uh, to sit as it were at your feet. And I thank you, Father God, for your living word. Hallelujah. Because its entrance in our lives gives light and illumination. And Father God, I thank you that it is a perfect law of liberty. It brings freedom. And so we're just grateful, Father God, for everything you promised, that which you've declared and decreed, that which you watch over to perform in our lives. And Father, we're here tonight to receive from you. So thank you, Father, for ministering to our hearts and minds. I thank you for speaking to these men and women, both those present, those watching online. And thank you, Father God, that we'll go away from this evening having been blessed for being here. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Notice here again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, our text says, For we walk by what? Faith. And not by what? Sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says that faith gives substance to the things we hope for. It serves as the evidence of what we do not see. Hallelujah. And the Bible goes on then to say that for by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. And then we have what we refer to as faith's hall of fame in chapter 11. And all these different individuals, praise God, who heard the word, accepted what it is that God had to say, believed it, and walked in the light of it, and they received a promise. We'll use this verse of Scripture later probably in the service. But you know, in uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 and uh, 35, it says, never to cast away your confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence in what God has said. Confidence in His promise. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence for, because it has an incredibly great recompense of reward. But it then goes on to explain that you have need of patience, or some translations will say endurance. You got to be a doer of the word and you got to stay the course. Amen. Drive a stake in the ground and say, you know what? We're not moving. We're going to keep doing what it is he told us to do, and we will see the results and the fruit thereof. You have need of patience or endurance so that after, everybody say after, after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. We're, 
we're great ones. We, hey, God, just show up and then I'll obey you. That's not the way it works. I said that. Now, sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're young in the Lord, I mean, God will do amazing things, man. You talk about jump over the pews to get to you to help you. He'll do it. But, you know, he expects us to grow. He wants us to trust him and believe him. Amen. And what a privilege that is. And not only that, praise God, it is an honor to be able to, you know, live your life in a way because you say, I trust in God because I know that his word is true. Hallelujah. Now, of course, sometimes that can get you in trouble. You know, we live in a world uh, that's, uh, <clears throat> well, it's a little hinky. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but don't let that deter you, praise God. You just stay with the Word and stay with your Heavenly Father and you'll turn out all right. So, you know, I say this quite a bit, you know, often, you know, everybody wants a better life. How I many of you want a better life? Sure, we all want a better life. I mean, you'd be, I don't know, weird if you didn't want a better life. But thank God, everybody wants a better life. And the Bible, everybody say the Bible, tells us how to have one. Did you hear that? I said, if we just read the Word of God, listen to what God said and do it, our lives would be blessed. And in many ways, we've done that, and we have experienced the blessing of God in our lives. You know, it's kind of like somebody wrote a book, Your Best Life Now. Was that, uh, oh, uh, the guy in Houston? Huh? It, yeah, well, somebody. Yeah, Joel. I think that's right. Your best life now. You know, and, and, and really that's a great title because a lot of people always want to relegate their life to some other future event or time or whatever the case. No, man, do it right now. Start living it right now. Believe in what it is God said right now. Hallelujah. And what he promised and you can be blessed. Jesus promised it. In John 10, 10, he said, I came so that you could have life. It's like a love letter that's been written to you. It says, hey, look, little note, I love you, and I came so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. That's what he said. He wants the child of God, the believer, to have an abundant life. And a lot of times, you know, even Christians will say, well, that's great, but why is there so much hell in the earth? You know, well, the God of this world is functional, and not only that, there's a curse in the earth. But thank God we've been redeemed from the curse, and the devil is under our feet. But a lot of folks, they don't walk in the light of that, you know, and it, he tries to deceive people into thinking that he's all-powerful and almighty. Well, Jesus took care of that on the cross. Better yet, he took care of it at the burial site when he come up out of the grave. Huh? Come on. And so we've got the victory. We just need to realize it. So he promised it in John 10, 10 to give us an abundant life. Now, he didn't promise that life wouldn't be with challenge, without challenge, I should say. Okay. Or tribulation or opportunities to be discouraged or, you know, feeling like you're in despair. Any of you have ever felt like you're in despair? Sure, we all have. You know, things come at us, circumstances, situations we have to deal with. But thank God in the middle of that, we can say, you know, I'm not sure what's going on here, but I'm sure glad I'm tied on with Jesus. Amen. Because he's the one who will help us and bless us no matter what the situation. It can be something external that's going on. It can be something internal that you're having to deal with. I mean, it doesn't make any difference what it is. Thank God he overcame for you in every area of life. So the issue is what we know. And I think, you know, when God said in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for uh, their lack of knowledge, he nailed it, okay? Ignorance is not bliss. We need to know the truth. And so 
The issue is what we know and then how we navigate or respond to the things that confront us, you know? Like, for example, Jesus. He's out ministering. They sent someone, you know, to say that Lazarus was sick, nigh unto death. And Jesus, you know, he didn't say, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We better get there quick, you know, and see whatever. He didn't do that at all. His response was, is that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now, I'm not sure that he understood how that was all going to play out because he stayed where he was and continued to minister. And then about two or three days later, you know, (laughs) he told his disciples, uh, our friend Lazarus sleeps. And everybody's thinking, well, great, man. Last time we just got out of there with it, you know, by the skin of our teeth, people are wanting to kill us. He'll be all right. He'll wake up. He says, no, Lazarus is dead. And uh, I'm sure that the disciples says, well, you know, so what are we doing? You know, what, what, what good would that do? Well, he went back, you know, the, you know, the story raised him from the dead. Well, you know, that's a pretty traumatic um, uh, message or a lesson to learn. You know, and in our lives, the same things happen. You know, we, we're just minding our own business and we get a phone call or we're minding our own business, we get something in the mail or we mind our own business and we come into an encounter with someone or whatever. And all of a sudden, we're faced with having to deal with the situation in front of us. And we can either just react or we can respond on the basis of what it is that God has promised in our lives. Amen. Because I guarantee you, you'll make a different decision if you decide you're going to find out what the Bible has to say about this and respond in that way, as opposed to just going nuts because you don't know what you're going to do. Are you with me? The two outcomes are completely different. And that's really why we're here tonight. We want to learn. That way, the next time the God of this world comes and tries to peddle some of his goods to you, you can say, passez-vous, baby. That is not coming in my house. Are you listening to me? And you can do that if you know the truth, so the truth can make you free. So again, the issue is what we know and then how we navigate or respond to those things that we have to deal with. And, and this knowing thing, you guys, I mean, we all, all of us, myself included particularly, when I first got born again, dude, I didn't know nothing. All I knew was religion. And that, even at that, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about the will of God. I didn't know that he had a plan for my life. I didn't know that, you know, he wanted the best for me or that Jesus came to give me life and life more abundant. I didn't know any of those kinds of things. And so as I began to feed on the word of God and find out the truth, man, I mean, I got excited. How many of you got excited? How many of you stayed that way? Okay, I tell you what, praise God. I mean, it's the word of God that sets the captive free. And when I began to discover the truth in God's word, man, it changed my life. How many of you know you do have to obey what he says? So you have to start changing what it is that you're doing. You got to put away, you know, the Bible makes it very clear that, you know, we once were, now we are. And since we are, now this is the way we live. We don't live back there. We don't live like that. We don't do that dirt. You know, we live by a different set of standards. Why? Because that's where the blessing is. God wants to bless humanity. Now, again, people will argue, yeah, well, if God wants to bless him, bless us. And if, you know, he's so loving and so on and so forth, why are these things happening? Again, I will appeal to you that it's the God of this world because of the curse that's on the earth and a number of different other things, myriad of things that you may be dealing with. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in our lives. We didn't ask for it. Huh? So, so we have to learn how to Uh, manage, if that's the right word to use. I'm not sure. But, you know, in other words, 
um, you can either accept things or you can say, that does not belong to me because I am the redeemed of the Lord. Are you with me? And a lot of times people, you know, they'll accept stuff and all of a sudden, here we go. Well, what we need to do is like the Bible says, resist the devil. Everybody say resist. Yeah, you have to resist the devil and he will flee from you. With me? But some, a lot of folk, they don't even know that. You know, something comes their way and they say, well, you know, it must be God's will. Well, why would you say that? Because you have no idea what his will is. Are you with me? In other words, you're without knowledge. And so you're at an impasse or at a disadvantage. But thank God you get a hold of the word of God and you find out having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and the blessed prey to uh, righteousness and all of the other armament that he tells you to put on, then you're in a different position. Now, you know, the world will think you're nuts. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what it means or whatever. You know, they don't want to take the Bible literally, but I do. I said, I do. I want to find out what it is that Jesus had to say, and I want to do what it is he's doing. Amen? You know, the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. And as last time I checked, Jesus was victorious. Huh? He was not a victim. He wasn't, you know, talking ugly. He wasn't, you know, being negative or anything. It's like, uh, I don't know if it was in the song that we sang here uh, tonight or whatever, you know. But I tell you what, man, you and I as believers, children of God, what it is that we have to look forward to is absolutely beyond our imagination. Hallelujah. There's such incredible hope for the child of God, for the one who's a believer, a follower, you know, one that's, that's made it their ambition to obey Jesus with their life, you know. I can't fix everybody else's stuff, but I sure enough can do something about mine. Amen? You know, I'll do what I can to provide a, a counsel or understand what it is that I know to individuals in order to help them. But at the end of the day, dude, it's your decision. The decision is your. You make the choice. Huh? How many of you are excited about that? You should be. He gave you the right to choose life so that you and your seed can live. You know, parents, you know, when you're obeying God and you're following God and your kids have been influenced by the world or the school or the whatever, and you stand up and you have to say, no, we're, that's no, huh? we're not doing that. We're going this direction. And then there's pushback, you know, because they don't like what it is you just got done saying or things that you maybe are requiring them to do or they don't get to participate in. Come on, am I in the right house? That's, that's, that's part of it. But I tell you what, you're doing them a favor. Now, you have to talk to them. Stay in your kids' life. There has to be communication. I can't tell you how many times that our kids would come home at night, and they, we always ask them, you come to the bedroom, tell us that you're here, okay, or that you're home. Well, a lot of times what would end up happening, we'd have best conversations in the dark in our bedroom while they were sitting on the floor at the foot of our bed, Okay. You just got to stay in their lives, man. Don't let the devil have your kids. They get to be, they get to be 12, 13, 14 years old, and, and the devil puts the hardcore press on your kids. And that's really, I mean, you want to hang on to them the whole time. But you understand what I'm saying? Stay in their lives and be an example. 
teach them God. You know, a lot of, I mean, there's, I know a lot of parents, they're not teaching their children God. And I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. Their kids are going to grow up and be godless. Huh? Because there's no, what do I mean by that? Their values and the priority that God has in their life and all of those things don't exist. Other things are more important. Well, those are choices. And there'll be an outcome. But I tell you what, those of you that decide, you know what, we're going to obey God. We're going to follow God. We're going to be a, a family that attends church, is engaged in church, that's serving in church, all of those things. That's what you want to do. Now, do you run the risk that they'll still bail and, you know, go stupid? Yeah, you do. But I tell you what, the seed is in them. Are you with me? Our, our middle son, our only, I mean, I just got two, the older and the other one, you know, um, he was a wild thing, you know. And, and the biggest problem with our son Greg is, is that he's probably one of the most gregarious people you'll ever meet. He can fit into any crowd. That's good and that's bad. He could be with the, you know, the athletic jocks. He could be with the other ones who are smoking dope or whatever the case might be. He could be with any of them and fit right in. And so, you know, he had challenges. He had temptations. He had stuff he had to deal with. But they all did. You know, for, for the other two, maybe it was a little bit different. I don't know. Not to get into all that. But, you know, here's the thing that he told us. He said, no matter what it is that I was doing that I wasn't supposed to be, he said, always in my heart. I knew that my parents loved me, and I knew that, that this was not what I needed to be doing. And it brought him to a place of repentance. And now he's, I mean, he's kicking butt and taking names, him and his wife, when it comes to the kingdom of God, you know, in serving the kingdom. Are you with me? I don't know if kicking butt and taking names, that's probably not a good way to describe it. But, you know, I guess you understand that. All right. Amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. Hallelujah. So uh, I got off on all of that to simply say, you know, it's, it's the discovery of God's word, the truth of God's word. I don't have to be bound by sin. I don't have to live my life like this. I don't have to uh, live in poverty. I don't have to live with chronic sickness and disease. All, you know, whatever it is, because it's in here. Now, another, you know, another aspect of that is learning how to receive from him. That's probably one of the biggest challenges I think sometimes believers have, but that's not really our subject here this evening. But, but uh, what ends up happening is, is that when you get a hold of the Word, if you don't get a hold of the Word, this is what's going to happen. You're going to live your life like everybody around you. Okay? People, whoever you befriend and different things like that, that's going to be your vibe. You know, you'll run into certain people, you know, and, and they come from a, you, you think they've come from another country. Really, no. It's just the way that they have been groomed and conditioned and think the way they think. Well, that's why the Bible says not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think and start to think in line with what God says and, and not the world. Am I in the right house? And it brings about a lot of change as far as our lives are concerned. So now here's the thing about all of this. Your best life that we were talking about that everybody wants to have is realized through faith. 
okay? And, and, and what I mean by that is I'm not talking about something that's off in the distant future, some place where we say, I'm believing God for. No, I'm talking about something that you have a conviction about and you've come to believe and that's what you're doing. That's how you're living. Are you with me? That's the way, that's the way your best life comes, okay? Um, example, again, I come back to my own life. I don't know about yours, but I, I mentioned this before. I came out of a drug culture and a, and a, uh, a beer drinking, partying culture. So that's what I knew. Everybody around me, that's what they did, you know? And uh, I had great teachers. Merle was one of them. Uh, but thank God we both got saved, Amen. We were working in a packing plant. I've told this story before, but he and I were both working in a packing plant. And I want to tell you, that's no place to work, but that's where we were. We hated our jobs, but we, you know, partied and drank and did everything. Well, we came one day to go to work, and they had a padlock and a chain on the gate, and we couldn't get in. As soon as we seen that, dude, we celebrated. <laughs> I don't know what time it was, probably 7 o'clock in the morning. We went to grocery store or someplace and got a case of beer and decided to celebrate. And that's what we did. We went back someplace and got happy. That's, that's, that's what we knew. Okay. Even though that, you know, that might seem whatever, it was dumb. It was foolish. We were losing our lives. Our lives were being taken from us. But you know, when you live in the culture, you think you're cool and this and that and the other, and, and really you're not cool at all. You're an idiot, okay? What we should have done is said, you know what? We need to go find another job. Why would we want to do that? I mean, you know, for crying out loud. So anyway, your best life is really realized through faith, and that is what you do and what you say because of something you believe. So when I got saved and I had to come out of all of that, I just said, no, I, I'm not doing this anymore. Why? Because I know that it is detrimental. I know that it's of the devil. I know that he'll kill, steal, and destroy. And that's not what I want. I want life and life more abundant. And life and life more abundant necessitates that I don't do that and I change and do this. Now, you know, most of us, I suppose, that are here tonight, that's probably not an issue that we have to deal with in our personal lives. And if not, hallelujah. But it might be our conversation. It might be how we talk, how we relate, how we deal with one another and different things. You know, the Bible says not to let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. In other words, when you want to say something that you know you shouldn't say, what do you do? You say no. Okay? Well, that takes faith. Why would you do that? Because the Bible tells you not to do it. Why? Because it leads to other things that, again, are detrimental to your life. You know, you get into a strife-filled situation, dude, nobody wins. Everyone loses. Are you with me? You know, and then, you know, then there's the silent treatment for the next three days or three weeks or, you know, however it is that you're wired. And that don't work. Are you kidding me? All right. Well, anyway, I'm just talking about a couple different examples here, you know, and I thought maybe I'd just bring them up. Boy, this is going great. <laughs> Hallelujah. So our best, our best life is realized through faith. It's based upon what we know what we've come to know, knowledge, and what we've come to believe. Now, <laughs> again, I'll say this, but a lot of people, they, they hear the Word of God, and they rejoice over it, and they'll get all happy and whatever, but they never really come to believe what it is that they're being told because they don't do it. Am I in the right house? Yeah, yeah you just got to, you know, I mean, you, you got to hunker down here a little bit, and you got to decide, listen, 
we're out of options here. There's only one, and it's obey God and do what it is that he says. Hallelujah. I'll, I use Steve for an example. Steve got saved. He come out of a drug culture. Matter of fact, uh, he was out of his mind in a jail cell uh, when Jesus got a hold of him and changed his life forever. And here he is upon that platform. I'm telling you what, God took some, some gave beauty for ashes in that deal, huh? Messed up. You know, but he, he, he comes and uh, 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 has a, uh, begins a relationship with Brandy, and they're making a life uh, for themselves, and, and they have a family and different things of that nature. And, and uh, as a result of just obeying God, and I'm not, I'm not blowing his horn, I'm using it as an example. His life has been changed forever because of Jesus. And not only that, but he behaved himself wisely and obeyed God as he walked through. But yet he faced a lot of challenges. And even to this day, you know, he's still probably dealing with whatever, you know, that's going to happen. But yet right on the other hand, if we respond to these things based upon what we know in the Bible, then praise God, we'll come out with a predictable result and we'll be on the top and not the bottom. Are you listening to me? And he could tell you more about that in his personal life with examples. But so you just can't be a person who just, well, you know, yeah, I went to church. I heard what the preacher had to say. That's not the point, dude. It's like, what am I doing with what I've heard? You know, and that's what's important. Notice something here. Jesus, turn over to John chapter 8, if you would. John chapter 8. <clears throat> and you're familiar with this these verses um, in John chapter 8, verse 30, it says that Jesus spake these words to those that believed on him. Okay, so whoever it is that's in the audience, evidently they've come to a place of deciding this cat must be the son of God. Okay, now they may not be verbalizing it, but it's kind of like some of them that said, nobody can do what this guy's doing if he weren't from heaven. Are you with me? So the Bible says that he spoke to those that believed on him in verse 31. Uh, 30 and then 31 he Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him if everybody say if how many of you know that's conditional yeah if you continue in my word some of your Bible translations will say if you abide um, the New Living Translation um, I can't think of what it says right now um, pardon me if you obey my teaching there you go so if you continue, if you abide, if you obey my teaching, if you do continue to do, abide in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you, what's it say? Free. Well, some of those that were there, you know, all of a sudden they got to thinking naturally, and this is, you know, this is so much what happens. We allow human reasoning to get in our way. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to be free. So if there's anything he can trip you up with, that's why it's through the continual washing of the water of the Word of God that the light bulb comes on. And revelation of the Word and its truth goes, aha, I get it. But these guys hadn't got there yet. Of course, they weren't born again as you and I are as believers, but you know, they, when he said, you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free. Well, they're thinking naturally, you know, that they're Abraham's seed and they're not in bondage to anybody. Let's go on and let's read it here. Notice what it says here in verse 33. 
um, they answered Jesus. They said, we're Abraham's seed. You know, I don't even care what your pedigree is, dude. If you don't know Jesus, you're just out. Are you with me? They didn't know that. And, and even, you know, people, and again, I'm not banging anybody or anything of that nature. I'm just saying, you know, people say, well, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Lutheran or I'm a Methodist or I'm a this or that. You know what? Heaven doesn't care. The only thing that matters is Jesus and whether or not he is the Lord and Savior of your life. Now, thank God you got this heritage, you know, in your you know, family tree and whatever, you know, that you've lived uh, in a particular denomination. Great. But if you're going to hang your hat on that and the salvation of your life on that, then you're missing the forest for the tree. That's exactly what these people were doing. They said, we're, we're Abraham's. Notice what it goes on to say. I kind of get sidetracked here. We're Abraham's seed, 33, and we were never in bondage to any man. How can you say we shall be made free? And Jesus said, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever commits sin is a slave or a servant to it. I'm sure that went over great. And then it went on to, and he went on to say, um, in verse 35, and the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son does. If therefore the son will make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me. Listen, because my word has no place in you. And he went on later, and we don't have time to read all of it. He said, you're of, the father, you're of your father, the devil. Well, about then they wanted to pick him up and take him and throw him off a cliff. You know what I'm saying? How many of you know that doesn't necessarily win friends and influence people? But what was he doing? He was telling them the truth. And they didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I use that as an illustration to simply say, you know, it's, it's one thing to hear the Word of God. It's another thing to accept or receive and, and, and humble yourself to be a doer of it. Amen? You know, before honor, there has to be what? Humility. Isn't that right? You know, if we'd humble ourselves in our married relationships, we wouldn't have all the fights we have. It, it, it would stop it. Huh? Another exciting example I wanted to use tonight just to kind of stir you up a little bit. But it's true. You know, we need to humble ourselves. And um, I listened to a guy, I was talking to an individual, and this is unrelated to Christianity. But he said, when it comes to people determining why they do certain things, they are the worst people to actually judge and assess their situation. And the reason is, is because we have our own way of thinking, and by golly, you know, we don't really want to, you know, have to say that, by God, you know, I may have been wrong or something like that. But I mean, when you get down to the root cause of people's behavior, a lot of times it's nothing uh, uh, like what it is the person describes. When we do marriage counseling with people, we, we rarely will just get one person and talk to them because it doesn't do any good. You know, you talk to them, they say, by golly, this is what's going on. You talk to the other person, by golly, this is what's going on. Well, how many of you know you need two so we can really figure out what's going on? The truth is always somewhere in the middle. You know what I'm saying? And chances are reasonably good. It's not just one person's fault. Thanks for your excitement on that, too. Now, <clears throat> there can be a higher percentage. 
you know, maybe. Uh, but we all got issues, man. We're just flawed people. So if we humble ourselves and we repent before God and repent before those in the relationship we have, I mean really repent. Say, oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for being, you know, whatever. That's a long ways toward life turn, you know, starting to turn around and be different. Can you say amen? And so it's important for us to, to understand those things. So, uh, well, enough about that. Let's, let's turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Man, you guys are good listeners. <clears throat> now, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. Nothing is more powerful than the new birth. I mean, it, it's a game changer for every person's life to be born again. That's why Jesus came, so that you could have the very Holy Spirit of God dwelling in your spirit to lead you, to guide you, to teach you, to bring all things to your remembrance, whatever he's told you, all of these different kinds. It's, it's, it is incredible. And how we need to praise his name for what it is that he's done. Can you say amen? I'm telling you what, he's, he's changed our lives by his being in us. Hallelujah. And not only that, but just to show us the truth. I mean, you know, when you don't know Jesus, you, you read the Bible and you couldn't interpret it if your life depended on it. You don't know what it means. I mean, you know, when I was a kid growing up in a mainline denominational church, the Bible is a good way to put people to sleep. Huh? Why? Because it didn't have any meaning. It, it, the, the reality, you got to understand it's written by inspiration of God. It is God breathed. And so the spirit of God is who authored it. And you have to have the spirit of God to understand it. Are you with me? Because when I got born again, and I read the Bible. I mean, it was like a different book. Huh? Because it made sense. You know, and all of a sudden I'm seeing things I've never seen in my life before. What is that? It's the revealing of the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now you say, well, how come we ain't doing better on this? Because human reasoning, circumstances around us, different voices and things, sometimes, you know, you got to unlearn some stuff, if, especially if you're really religious, you know, because a lot of religious stuff is nothing more than the traditions of men. It's powerless. It's form without power. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't transform anybody. It doesn't do anything. So, you know, to break away from these things, you know, and, and, and to see things from a different standpoint, man, I'm telling you what, it's life changing and it is powerful. So in this particular verse here, well, let me say that, make this statement first before we read. Did I tell you to go to Matthew chapter 16? Okay. Um, 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 accurate knowledge. Everybody say accurate. Yeah, real, the good stuff. Hallelujah. Accurate knowledge, which comes by revelation, is what brings transformation. I'll, I'll say that again. Accurate knowledge, which comes by revelation, is what brings transformation. Now, now, don't let that overwhelm you because it's a very simple thing because when you read the Word of God, it's accurate knowledge. And the revelation of that Word is what brings or causes your life to be changed. When the Holy Spirit makes the Word alive to you, 
You know, I, I use the example, it's the best one I can come up with, but I was sitting in a bar at the Depot Lounge, and I'm, I got this beer in front of me, and, and, and I hear in my heart, you don't belong here. And I, ver- I verbally, out loud said, I, I, I don't belong here. Why? Because I had made a commitment to Christ to become a follower of him, and the Holy Spirit was saying, this is not where you're supposed to live. And so I turned and walked out the door and never went back. Well, every other time that I went to a bar, I never heard that. In my mind, this is where I belong. Okay? Why? Because this is my culture. This is who I hang with. This is what we do. You know, all of those different kinds of things. But when the Holy Ghost got on the inside of me, he said, no, uh-uh. this is not your life. I have another life for you. And thank God I was smart enough to obey him. Because the thing is, you guys, when you live in hell and you find out the truth and he frees you from all of that, why would you want to go back? Are you listening to me? So again, accurate knowledge, which comes by revelation, is what brings transformation. And this is a story that, that this something that happened to Simon, or Peter. Uh, verse 13, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, some people are saying you're John the Baptist or Elijah or other, you know, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. So they're into reincarnation. Okay, they don't know. They're all over the place with this thing. You get all this, you know, witchcraft, sorcery, uh, you know, junk that's in people's lives, and and they get weird. Okay, they come up with all different kinds of ideas. You know, Herod thought for sure that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. You know, that's how weird he was. Well, anyway. So he said, uh, there's, this is what they're saying. And then he asked a question. He says, but who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? I tell you what, you guys, it doesn't make any difference what other people say. What matters is what you say. And Peter just spoke up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus commended him, and he said, you're blessed, Simon, or Peter. Why? Because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. So the revelation of God's word in our hearts is a game changer. I mean, and the thing of it is, is it works in any given area of your life. If you, if you grew up in poverty, you know, and lack and deficiency and never having anything, and you get into the word of God, it'll tell you a different story that you don't have to live that way, that you don't have to be broken, busted. You don't have to go through life, you know, not having anything. You can find out what the Word of God says. You can start doing what the Bible says. You can become uh, prolific and powerful and, and, and productive. Now, here again, you know, this is what the Bible promises, but a lot of times you'll run into believers and they don't want to do anything. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to believe God. I'm trusting and praying. Forget it, dude. You're barking in the dark. You've got to put your hand, God has to be able to bless the work of your hand. And if you think it's just going to come flying off of the tree, you know, <laughs> into your lap and go, woohoo, you know, wrong. Unfortunately, when Adam transgressed, part of the curse was you and I get to work. Okay? Now, when Jesus comes and raptures the church, whole new game. 
But until then, here we are, okay? So you have to be wise, you have to be a good steward. You got a lot of different things that you have to employ in order for God to bring his blessing into your life. And it's not a, quick, a get rich quick scheme. A lot of believers, they have the mistaken idea, you know, but, you know, flash, bam, you know, and here we are. No, you know, Abraham walked with God for 25 years before he seen the manifestation of Isaac, you know, and in those years, God prospered him and blessed him. You know, one of his servants says, God has blessed my master exceedingly. You with me? Well, I believe that God wants to do that for, for us. Amen. I said, amen. amen. If you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed and you're an heir according to the promise. But let me tell you something. If all your life you've had this imagery of not having enough, never having enough, always being broke, busted, living hand to mouth, all of that, you've got to change that. Because it's, it's been imbued down on the inside of your being, and you've got to get that stuff dug out, and you've got to do a transplant. You, are you with me? Get some good soil back in there so that something can, can grow uh, uh, to bless you. And people, you know, again, I mean, we dealt with this the, all the time because, because poverty is a curse. People that don't have anything, they're not blessed. You know, they, it's just, it's always a challenge. And, and we would even in uh, evangelicalism, people say, well, you know, you just that name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, you know, that group, you know, and all you talk about is money. That's not what we all talk about. The only thing we talk about. It's one thing we talk about. Why? Because people need to know the truth. If you don't get taught what the Bible has to say about money and learn about money, that's why we had uh, Ramsey. We're trying to teach people how to be a steward of what it is that they've got. Are you listening to me? And eh, not to get off on all of that, but you understand the concept. Are you with me? You know? Because you want, and, and so naturally, you know, uh, a lot of folk, they come against what they refer to as a prosperity message. It's not a prosperity message. It's a message that God gave to the church. Actually, he gave it to his people. And it's all over in the Bible. So you got to come to a place where you're not going to apologize for it. You're just going to be blessed. The Bible talks about how the wicked will gnash on their teeth because of the blessing of God that's on the believer. They hate it. They don't want you blessed. They want to take it. I mean, you see it in culture now. They want to take everything they can away from you. But thank God they can't. I said they can't. And so it's just important for it. But you do have to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And doggone it, we're out of time. Where were we? We were reading here about who do you say that I am? Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you but my Father which is in heaven. It's revelation. See, here's the thing, you guys. If you don't get anything else tonight, let, let this get down on the inside of you, and it will uh, support what I'm talking to you about. And that is, when we give ourselves, did you hear me? When we give ourselves to the study of the Word, not just reading. It, reading's good. I mean, I read the Bible, but to study it. When we give ourselves to the study of the word and prayer, the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal things to us. And what he reveals to you will not be weird. Okay? The Spirit and the word agree. You'll, you'll run into people, they get goofy. 
You know, well, the Spirit told me this, and the Spirit told me that, and the Spirit told me, dude, if it don't line up with the Word, go sit in the car. You know, you just need to get a few things squared away. Are you with me? So, but he will. He'll talk to you. And, and a lot of times, you know, uh, what is it that the Word does? It's given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for what? Correction. Yikes. Instruction. Teaching. Reproof. You know? It's going to say, hey, man, you can't keep doing this and expect the blessing of God in your life. I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> Forget that. You know? It's not Satan that's telling you that. You've got to get yourself squared away, dude. Huh? Am I in the right house? Okay. Like I said, you know, we can, well, we can, <clears throat> we can get messed up. Glory to God. Uh, so where was I trying to think this? He'll reveal things to you, and it's not weird. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I'll give you an example. Turn to John 16, and we'll close with this, because we are uh, coming up on our hour here. <clears throat> Y'all glad you came tonight? John chapter 16, look, look at something here. This is so, this is so good. Hallelujah. John chapter 16. And um, look with me if you would. <clears throat> All right. Let me preface this reading that we're about to uh, have here. In 13, 14, 15, 16, and then 17 is a prayer, Jesus is talking about the will of God and the fulfillment of his coming to die as a sacrifice for all of mankind, to become a ransom for all. And he had told them on other occasions, you know, that he would rise again after three days, he'd rise again. They, you know, it blew right past them. Why? Because they didn't, he said, there's a lot of things I'd like to tell you, but, but you cannot bear or understand them now. But when the Holy Ghost comes, it's going to make a whole lot more sense to you. Are you with me? And so we're on the backside, on the other side of the cross to that. So there's things that he wants to reveal to us. Glory to God. I'm telling you, so good. Hallelujah. You know? So anyway, uh, he's, he's talking to them about what it is that's going to happen. And then he breaks into uh, uh, an explanation here of how they are feeling. Let's start with verse 20. Notice it says, Verily I say unto you, that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Now, what's he talking about? When they watch him be crucified, huh? And the world will rejoice. And it goes on to say, but you shall be, uh, and you shall be sorrowful. Now listen, but your sorrow will be turned into what? You know, there's stuff that goes on in our lives, man, and I mean, it's ugly at the time. But I tell you, if we'll stay with him, he'll take our sorrow and turn it into joy. Notice the next verse. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hours come. But as soon as she's delivered of the child, she never remembers again the anguish that she experienced for the joy that a man is born into the world. Now notice 22. And you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice now listen to this and your joy nobody will take from you see at the revelation of christ's resurrection these men's lives were changed forever now they didn't believe it mary came and a couple of other gals said hey man we've seen the lord and they said yeah right 
Peter and John, they ran there and the thing was empty. They didn't know how to, you know, did somebody, you know, grave robbers show up? What happened? The two men on the road to Emmaus, Luke chapter 24, they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures to us as we walked down this road together? And they ran. They, went, they ran all the way back from Emmaus into Jerusalem and said, man, we seen him. You know, and still these guys are going, man, why? Because sorrow had overwhelmed them. You know, it's, it's pretty hard when you see somebody that you love crucified on a cross and die to, to, to get it. But then he walked through the wall. And I tell you what, the party was on. What does that mean? At that point, no one could take the joy that they had, that their Savior, their Master Jesus was alive. And the same thing's true for you and me, my friends. Hallelujah, he's done something. Praise God. And even though we got these battles and we're fighting, we're trying to figure out how in the world this thing's all supposed to work, I'm telling you what, he's got an answer. So if we'll just give ourselves to the word, let the Holy Ghost work in our lives, a lot, a lot of things can be so much better. Can you say amen? Uh, it's only eight o'clock, I want one more verse. Can you, will you give me one more verse? Okay, look at Ephesians um, chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. It goes with what we're talking about here, and I just want to kind of, you know, wrap this up, tie it up and into a good knot. Okay? See, when you, they, they gained a revelation. I mean, you talk about God revealing himself to them, Jesus revealing himself to them. When that happened, dude, no one could take that away. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. And when that happened, I mean, everything changed. I mean, the Holy Ghost took the chicken out of Peter on the day of Pentecost. He got up and preached, glory to God. It was awesome. Why? And you and I are the recipients of this. Hallelujah. We don't have to be afraid. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what politicians do. I don't care about any of that. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Hallelujah. And he'll preserve me. He'll keep me. Hallelujah. He'll be my shield in whatever circumstance that I find myself to be in. So when you gain a revelation of the reality of Christ's resurrection, being born again, nobody can take that from you. Nobody, no one can take away from me the fact that I'm born of the Spirit of God and that I am his child. Hallelujah. And I know that's true of you as well. You wouldn't be here tonight. Hallelujah. Nobody can take that away from you. Glory to God. Now notice here, to close, uh, this this uh, particular thing here where Paul in Ephesians is, is um, talking about those in Ephesus that he had heard had received the gospel and been born again. Now notice in verse 15 with me real quick. Wherefore I also after I heard of your faith in who? The Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. How are you going to pray, Paul? Well, thank God we have a glimpse into the prayer. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory, now listen, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
that which is revealed. Remember Peter, he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal you this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. So Paul's praying, I'm praying that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Why? Because he knows it'll change your life. You'll think differently. You'll believe differently. You'll look at life differently. You'll act differently. I mean, all of these different kinds of things are impacted by the revelation that comes from the Word of God. Hallelujah. So he then goes on to say, he says, uh, the eyes of your understanding being, the King James says being enlightened. Some translation says having been. See, your eyes are open. Blessed are your eyes, for they see your ears, because they hear. Many prophets, the righteous men, desire to see and hear the things that you see and hear and didn't hear them. So we are, of all people, most blessed. Baby, I tell you what, we got what we need. You know, we just have to, again, you, you just have to give yourself to this. Shut the TV off. There's nothing on it anyway. I mean, how many Barnwood Builders can you watch? Or whatever it is that you're into. And I'm not saying that Barnwood Builders isn't good, because I like it. But you understand my point. Sometimes we say, no, I'm going to give place for him. Okay? I'm going to give myself to him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened so that you can know. Everybody say no. What is the hope of his calling? Thank God. I'll tell you what a calling. And again, number two, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And then thirdly, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Thank God you are not without what you need. God has given you authority. He's given you power. He's given you everything that you need. Hallelujah. But you've got to know it. There needs to be a revelation. So again, I'll come back to this one most important point. Take time, give yourself to the Word of God. Study the Bible in whatever areas you know that you might be uh, talking about, and the Holy Ghost will open the eyes so you understand. You'll see things you've never seen before. You go, wow, man, what in the world was I thinking? Well, you know, we all kind of got to get through it. Amen? We don't know as much as we should know, but thank God we know a lot more than what we did. All right? So anyway, let's everybody stand. Praise God. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for this time we've had together. So grateful for what it is that you have done, that which you have revealed, made known to us. Thank you for your promises, Father. Oh, so wonderful each and every one of them are. We're so grateful, Father God. And for those here gathered tonight and maybe watching online, Father, I just pray that whatever area to which they may apply this, that they would give themselves, Father, to the study of your word and allow the imagery on the inside of them to be changed as a result of what it is you've said and not necessarily what's going on around them, what others have said, or maybe their experience has dictated. But Father, something new, something fresh, something glorious, something wonderful. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing tonight. Help us, Father, to humble ourselves under your mighty hand that we may be exalted in due time because there's things you want to do in our lives and it starts with our humility. And so I just thank you for your blessing in the house tonight, every person here. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to each and every one of us as only you can, showing us what it is we need to do. Hallelujah. What it is perhaps we need to say. Maybe some things, Father, that we no longer should be involved in. We're just grateful to you and to the Holy Spirit of God. God, guide us in our giving tonight as we support the local church, as we work, Father, to advance the kingdom. 
I thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon every home, every household, every individual. Father, as they sow, I know that's the way they will reap. And I thank you for your blessing in every one of their lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Glory to God.